Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Are you going to do the thing? Yeah, I, mean, I was going to do the music. I don't know, I'm just asking. I mean, that's good, good asking. So. <laughs> Hello and welcome to DNI Spy, the weekly podcast that uncovers what's really going on in the world of diversity and inclusion. I'm Dr. Julie Humphreys. And I'm Natasha Whitehurst. And this is a season five review. Season five? Yes. I'll just check in. <laughs> <laughs> Feels like it's been a long summer. So everybody, thank you for uh, bearing with us. And I feel like we should absolutely front that a few of our episode sounds have not been as perfect as we would have liked. Don't know no. about you. Yeah, we've had some technical issues. Um, we have had some on location recording um, at my house in the middle of a field, which has not been good for some of our recordings. So we're trying to sort those glitches out but on a personal level uh Ms Whitehurst is now Mrs <laughs> <laughs> so you got married had to drop that one in there didn't you we had a DNI spy wedding we did yeah. congratulations thank you you're a beautiful bride oh not so beautiful today we're in uh, <laughs> the sweatiness of London <laughs> yeah it's been um it's been an eventful season yeah um, I've had cancer got through it all good. You've got married and now we're closing the season. Yeah. I mean, like, what more do you want? Mic drop there, Dr. Julie. Mm. So let's get straight onto it then. First of all, we spoke to Tracy, Tracy Curtis Taylor. Um, and it was really interesting because she is Britain's foremost female adventurers, or at least one of them. And she had a, a book out called Bird, all about her life and flying adventures. Um, and it's actually, fingers crossed, going to be um, a global film soon, which is really exciting to hear. Um, so during our conversation... Tracy gave a great explanation of where her sort of bird in a biplane moniker came from. Um, and she also discussed her entrance into flying. Um, we talked about uh, her epic three flights. Um, and not, but no, not only did we hear about those, we also heard her share her views on, on women and aviation mm. um, now. Uh, she she thought she wasn't a role model, which was really interesting, uh, but we thought she was. Um, and uh, yeah, let, let, take a listen to this clip and see if you agree that she's a real role model. After Africa, you know, I just said there wasn't enough of that. We were It was so pressured with the filming and everything else, but we were able to really recalibrate this and work with Boeing and the Britney's Great campaign 
um, and Artemis Investments to build this global outreach, which involved every stop, and there were 62 stops to Australia over a three-month period. So everywhere I went, I was speaking at conferences, I'd visit schools, girls' schools, colleges, mentoring groups. So, you know, the idea was just to see as many people as possible, get them down to the airport to see to see the aeroplane and, and you know one one of the most lovely gatherings was actually in Amman in Jordan and a group of 14 year olds came down from Queen Rania's foundation school and they came down with the British ambassador and they've got all their hijabs they look they look like little nuns actually and you know glasses and they were there clustered around the aeroplane they'd never seen anything like this you know this radial engine and 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 they were just all so excited and then they looked at me and of course they said well are you married and how old are you and do you have children and 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 I said no I was married I'm not any longer and I don't have children of course that's so unusual in their society and and one of them looked at me and she said well and how old are you I said well 53 at the time and she looked at me and she was horrified she said but you're so old. Oh. You, you should be at home resting. And I wow. said, you know, I, I probably should be. I said, but you know, I was only two years older than you when I started flying. And that really set my course in life. And, you know, it just became clear. I never knew at that point, I never knew how I would do it. I never, of course, foresaw that I would end up doing all this. And it's really become a vocation. I, I don't see it as a career in a professional sense, but it's been an absolute passion and vocation all of my life. And I just said, look, you know, it's it's there. It's not just aviation. It is, it is the wealth of opportunity, of opportunity in aviation and aerospace, the engineering, the crewing of the aeroplanes, I said at every level, just to be involved in this industry. And I think I think there's so much, you know, women just have to get over that threshold. It's a confidence thing. It's perceived as being dangerous. It's perceived as being, ma- you know, it, and it is male-dominated. It is intimidating to women to see that. But when you get them clustered and, and in schools, I was astounded at how enthusiastic. I saw more enthusiasm in countries like Pakistan and India than I've seen in Britain. Our second episode of the season, we uh, we had Pinar Guvench with us um, and we were talking about inclusive design. So um, Pinar is the um, founder of an international hybrid design studio, Sour, um, and that really focuses on social and urban issues through um, sustainable and inclusive methods. And we had a really great conversation. And I think one of the big things that kind of came through was Pinar's real passion and kind of desire to do this because of kind of a common good and it feels as though the team um, who are all based out in New York have that same kind of focus Um, I think it was really interesting how um, Pinar had kind of highlighted the fact that when you're when they're designing inclusively actually it's for for an audience and actually those solutions aren't necessarily even though they're an inclusive design for one particular audience they're not always accessible um but they have that ability to kind of grow into being an accessible tool so the iphone was a really great example that she used of actually it was a kind of an accessible tool but actually one then that became really good for a certain community to make it more accessible so for example someone with fine motor my fine motor skills um the latter part of the conversation kind of then moved into how they actually practically make um products inclusive and interestingly one of the big things i pulled out was around focus groups and pinar said actually she doesn't really recommend um when you are designing to have focus groups because actually it 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 doesn't 
even help the um, the outcome because normally you would be taking prototypes you'd have maybe an initial early conversation with a focus group you'd go back with prototypes when a product is almost finished and it's too late by that point because you're too close to going to market and I thought that was a really interesting takeaway and I think that's something that we maybe ought to think about not just in something like inclusive design but when we are working on anything having people very present in terms of like your project or working group who do give you that different perspective and that kind of constant feedback as opposed to a kind of beginning and end so thought that was thought that was great and then the final bit was the top tip as always um, and a really good one again around exposing your thing yourself to things that you haven't before so whether that be a new person or people new place but really get out of your comfort zone I think that's something that we've heard quite a lot on this season but I think also in other recordings since um that ultimately you just need to get out of your comfort zone and that's where you'll you'll kind of learn and um learn a bit more so then we were joined by John Holmes. Uh, John's a journalist and editor and founder and lead of sports media LGBT+, um, which is a, a network group and advocacy group. Um, we love talking to John, actually. Uh, I, I, we did know each other from socials, but we kept missing each other at conferences and things. So it was great to finally pin him down and get him onto DNI Spy. We had a great conversation covering the critical issues facing LGBTQ plus people in sport at the moment. Uh, we talked about the Qatar Men's Football World Cup. We threw in a bit of Gary Lineker, a bit of David Beckham, a bit of fake allyship and even Ted Lasso, uh, which was really cool to talk about. Um, so take a listen to one of my favourite snippets of our conversation. Uh, we asked, is football safe for people uh, to actually come out? I often look at this from a media perspective um, and I'm concerned about some of still some of the levels of reporting that that goes on around players and their personal lives, not just related to, to being LGBTQ, but there's as a level of there's an intense level of interest in in what players, um, you know, get up to almost like off the pitch. Um, and and I think when you're in that bubble, You've got a very short career. You might end up going to play somewhere, somewhere in the world that has anti-LGBT laws. Um, we're seeing, you know, this big drive to grow the pro game in Saudi Arabia at the moment. There's been sort of high-profile players moving to play their football in that part in that part of the world. That's a very, very difficult place indeed in which to be LGBT, and even more complicated to be LGBT and out. So, so you've got all these kind of colliding factors. Yes, we do want to see more out role models in the men's game. And we've had incredible stories in the last 18 months of, of, of a young player like Jake Daniels at Blackpool, but also the first international player to come out as gay in the men's game, which is Jakob Yankto in the Czech Republic, um, Josh Cavallo in Australia. So very slowly, you know, more players are feeling comfortable to share their stories, but it's, it is a, a complex picture. And I think one thing that people maybe don't think so much about is actually if you're um, as, at a young age, if you're struggling with your sexuality, um, you might be into football, but be gay or, or bisexual. It's probably more likely, sadly, that you might back away from the game at a younger age because you don't think necessarily that it will be an environment for you. Um, so the more that we can do at that kind of grassroots youth level to make sure that LGBTQ plus people stay in the game. Um, I think the more the more we will see that representation grow uh, uh, higher up the chain. 
Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. So next up, we had Teresa Bowie. Um, and we talked about the intersect between ESG and DNI. And I think, um, you know, we are certainly have this like this topic front of mind at the moment though it's it's a big topic investors are constantly talking to organizations around ESG and DNI and how the two come together um so it was great to have Teresa with us um who has lots and lots of experience we also touched about talked about uh, her book um but ultimately we took the episode back to basics as always so we talked about what is ESG um we talked about how it fits together we also asked about you know what does a good DNI strategy have within it and we touched on frameworks and um, we also then talked about the ESG strategy and then how the two kind of mesh together and it was interesting to hear Teresa say that you know st- strategically it is an investor focus however generations are going to use um our activities around ESG and DNI as a benchmark for a new employer and mm. whether they will or won't want to join them. Um, and ultimately, there's no one size fits all in any of this. And actually, it's just about looking at where you are and then kind of building out from there. Um, and I think one of the biggest takeaways for me was around actually always reviewing where you are and are you fit for purpose? I don't think you can have a, you can't have a strategy that you say is going to be fit for purpose for the next five years because our society world that we're operating in is evolving just far too quickly and this real need to um slow down to go faster really came through for me um so yeah a really really great conversation a couple of really great recommendations in terms of reading which are in the show notes yeah some great resources for people who are starting out um as well as um you know other other kind of further reading just to kind of just for um just to kind of build your knowledge, I suppose. Um, so Teresa's book link is in there as well. Um, yeah, and a great top tip, um, as well as um, uh, kind of to, to, to finish us all, finish, finish us all off. <laughs> in a good way. In a good way, of course. Um, but the big, the, the big takeaway on the top tip, um, hopefully Teresa sees that as uh, in a positive way, by the way, um, was, you know, that, if you walk past it you endorse it and it was really calling out to leaders that you know as I've said that pause back looking at where you are reviewing question challenge but ultimately if you walk past stuff and you kind of let it go unnoticed or or don't call it out you're almost embracing it and kind of endorsing it Mm. um and so to remain curious question and encourage others so yeah it was um, another great episode good top tip the penultimate episode uh, of the season was with Emma Maslin. Um, Emma has uh, just got her first book out, The Personal Board of You, Inc. And we talked about networking and how it can be good for your career. Um, but actually, we talked about how it can also harm your career if you don't do it right or you're not in the right circles to get those networking opportunities. So it was a really fascinating conversation that made us question whether if we called it something else, would it be less intimidating? You know, does it have to be called networking? Emma also shared her personal experience, which was a sort of light bulb moment for her. So let's take a listen to that. Where 
I was taking a different job and some guy came and sat at my desk and told me that it was a really bad idea for me to take this job. And when I thought about it afterwards, it was because he'd worked with the people that I was going to work for. And based on his experience, it was a bad idea rather than it being based on it was actually turned out to be a great, great career move for me. So that was sort of the beginnings of the idea where I thought, hang on a minute, who am I taking advice from here? Probably shouldn't be taking advice from guys who come and sit at my desk. Not appropriate. So, yeah, that's where it all began. And then last up, we had Ramiz Kaleem and we spoke about paper transparency and its impact on minorities. Um, Ramiz discussed um, pay, pay transparency specifically around women and ethnic minority employees, but also had some really great suggestions for organisations and also individuals. Um, he kind of started off with the pay makes leaders nervous or pay transparency makes leaders nervous or any kind of talk really. Um, and so it was really interesting that we kind of started at that point um, but he he very quickly talked about actually it's it's about you know it's on it's a scale of depending on how transparent you want to be but it's also a journey so actually you don't need to kind of go big um to begin with you know you can start small and build out from there but actually it was just really important that you do take your organization on that journey around transparency around pay um because ultimately he talked about transparency also meaning trust um and employees wanting that kind of fairness and equity around the discussion with pay um the big piece that i took took away was the discussion we had around putting pay on job adverts and he his analogy was you know you wouldn't go into a shop um pick up some goods and say oh how much do you want me to pay for this or you know what what will you take kind of thing he was saying well actually you need to know this stuff up front and actually it, it kind of removes some of those awkward conversations but also actually it knows what you're kind of going in for as a candidate and I thought it was a really good call out I think lots of organizations have traditionally been very nervous about putting pay on pay adverts and jobs Um, but actually he talked about the fact that if you want to attract and recruit recruit the best talent you need to be more transparent around what you're willing to pay them Um, and the big call out for him was also then about how we stop asking candidates what their current pay is and what they're expecting. And actually we move to a place of this is the job and this is what we're paying and we're going to get the best candidate that's going to fit that job as opposed to we're just going to start asking everyone for their pay. And so, again, thought that was really a really good call out. And I think, again, a good way for us to look at equity in that kind of um, recruitment process because are we still holding minority candidates back because we're then we're then putting them into a role at that same salary um so he he again had some really really great research really good topic to pull out um and a good top tip so you know um his top tip was actually the piece around um pay transparency and not asking the pay questions so another really great episode um, and loads to take away. So I really, um, really would recommend people to go and look at the show notes um, and look at the reading. Um, I'd like to congratulate you on the best summary of an episode I've ever heard you say. Really? Yeah, that was really good. Maybe it's because I really enjoyed it and I took so (laughs) much away from it. No, it was really good. I liked that. liked that. Thank you very much. Oh, was that a compliment? It was. Take it. Oh my goodness. Yeah, no, it was brilliant. So what can we expect uh, from our next 
series or season uh, so we've got a great opener mm. um, around labels um, we also are looking at uh, World Menopause Day so we've got a couple of really great episodes focusing on the menopause coming up we're also looking at AI and how that impacts diversity and inclusion yeah I think the session that I'm most looking forward to is the Exploring Labels one because when people hear the guest um, and hear what she has to say, it's just, it was a really good conversation and really high energy. And I always take a lot, you know, it, it, it takes me a lot to sit through a conversation because I finally, it takes, it takes a lot of energy out of you, right? When we're doing these podcasts. Come on, when we're doing these episodes, she's looking at me as I'm saying something terrible here. But it does, it is, it is, you, you expend yeah, a lot you of energy. Lot, you put a lot into it, we do, yeah. Um, yeah. And so actually when a guest comes and matches our energy and actually is just mm. like really passionate, it really shines. And this person... Um, so this person is Anna Marsden, so we'll shout yeah. out to her straight away. And let's link back to one of our previous episodes, which we yeah. talked, talked about, was which was networking. And the reason that Anna came on to Deny Spy yeah. was from networking, because I met her at a conference, Anglia Ruskin University, we were both speaking, no. we chatted, and then Plug. she came on. So networking, but we didn't call it networking, we just had a chat over a cup of coffee. Yeah, love that. And I think... I personally think that the AI topic is going to come out more in future seasons. So I'd really be keen for people to share if there are any kind of topics around the AI space that we think we should be looking at. Um, so yeah, there's maybe a call out to, to listeners. Awesome. So season five wrapped up. Yes. Yeah. What's been your, um, what's been your highlight? I won't ask for your low light. I don't have any low light. <laughs> I'm always positive. Uh, no, it's been really good. It's been a great, it's a great summer um, and I, I'm really stoked for, for the next season, to be honest. Really mm. looking forward to it. Yeah, me too. You can find us on Twitter. Our handles are in the show notes below. And if you've liked what you've heard, please rate us wherever you get your podcasts and subscribe to get new episodes automatically. Thanks for listening. <laughs>